Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening. This is, this is a huge band, isn't it? I mean, I think they've got the record for the, um, the amount of gold records ever given to one band. I think they had 30 gold records and no one's ever beaten that before in America. Yeah. Also, more, a more diverse merch than anyone has done before, didn't they? I think you could, they did coffins at one point. They, 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 and apparently there's a, there's a heavy metal guitarist who's no longer with us, obviously, because he's buried in one of these coffins. <laughs> Six feet under somewhere, and I can't recall his name. I don't think he's, you know, he's not someone super famous, but uh, he, he, he actually bought into it. But they did everything. They, they invented, with along with Bill Coyne, merchandise. They invented it, I think. Yeah, they ended up, I mean, well, they were going to have a travelling theme park at one point, weren't they? I would have gone to that. But, but yeah, there's still time. All right. And anyway, Paul Stanley's new album is completely different from Kiss. It's a, it's, it's now and then, and it's a, it's an old-fashioned soul album, isn't it? And it, yeah, and it sounds like he's been doing it all his life. That's what's lovely about it. So, should we get him on? Welcome to the Rock on Tours. Okay, guys, I'm ready. This was great, guys. I, I, it's so great to talk to two guys that have done this. Well, it's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. You know, what people forget about Bowie is that he was such a kind man. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London. They're brilliant. Remember me? I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah. To, to get good them, at yeah. something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Can you hear me? Hey! Yay, Paul. Hello, How are Paul. You? You, yeah, that looks great. You look beautiful on my screen. Wonderful yeah. vista behind you. You know, this is California. Beautiful. How is it there? That's terrific. You know, um... Life's good. You know, we're all coming out of our caves, yeah. you know, so it's it's terrific. And you guys, how are you? We're fine. It's, it's We're slowly coming out of our caves as well. I'm, um, although I, I don't know if I want to, so used to it now. So <laughs> we, so we've, crazy, gone from, we've gone you, from you FOMO to, to FOGO, which is fear of going out rather than fear well, of missing yeah, out. You meet people now and you don't know whether to fist bump or touch yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, He's institutionalized to Netflix. So. I, have, I am. <laughs> How have you been? Because, you you know, you, did you, this album was made before or during or, or when? The It was finished up during, but um, thank God most of it was done uh, prior to it. Because, you know, when you've got 15, 17 people, uh, it it can get a little crazy, but I was going to uh, say because it's got that real cut in a room. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, th that's really look. We all know the same music, and and all that great music was made by people um, living and breathing and uh, playing together, and the chemistry. So um, that was important, and and uh, uh, there was a great old studio that just. You know, everything fell into place. The whole band, it was kind of like the the planets all lined up. So I was I was uh, very lucky. We've been doing this for years now, but uh, finally um, there was enough of a kiss break where I said, you know, for us not to go in the studio would just be uh, a crime. I, I have to say, Paul, I, I had no idea of this other self that you have, this incredible soul voice that you've got. I mean, I think the album sounds amazing. I mean, I was I was wondering what, you know, who wrote that track? You know, wh when did that get released? Oh, it's you wrote it. You know, that that's the funny part. And, and, and I'm so pleased with that is that, um, you know, people would say to me, people who I respect would say, well, it's seamless or they would uh, uh, someone else said to me, um, well, my favorite song on the album is Lorelei. Who did that originally? And I go, yeah, what are you talking about? And they go, well, tell me what's the story behind that? I went, I wrote that, you know, so uh, but, it, it, you know, when you're immersed in something, um, I don't want to say you take on the 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 persona or it was just 
a chance for me to to do something that I love. And once I was in it, it really wasn't like, let me write songs that are like this. It was like, let me continue. You know, I'm in Soul Station, so let me write some of the, <clears throat> those songs. So, because yeah, because I'm sorry to interrupt, but it really does. Because vocally, but it's you sound like you're slipping into your favorite old suit. It feels like that's what you've always always done. Well, I, I you know, I think look, we all have more than one side, and and um, if somebody only listens to one kind of music, it's kind of like eating one kind of food, you know, if you love pizza, do you really want it breakfast, lunch, and dinner? So, <laughs> you know, music, music's the same way, you know, um, it's the variety and yeah. what you bring to your music from other um, sources. Otherwise it becomes pretty incestuous. You know, you're not creating anything with any interesting colors to it. So, um, you know, my, when I was a teen, I was lucky enough. I saw Otis Redding. I saw Solomon Burke. Wow. wow. Um, you know, that, that's always been, when I first heard Smokey and the Miracles, it was just like, whoa. So this is in New York you saw them, I take it. I did, mm -hmm. I did. And uh, that music has always been a really important part of my wheelhouse. It's in my foundation. It's funny because even in Kiss, some people don't, don't hear. Well, uh, a song like Shout It Out Loud, you've got... Well, the night's begun and you want some fun. Do you think you're going to find, think you're going to find it? That's the four tops. That's Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. That's it's the lead vocal and the response. It's the call and response. But there's a great amount of funk in something like, you know, uh, Sure Know Something. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of soul in that. You grew up, do what was a big thing, wasn't it? Because I mean, we, we had Stevie Van Zandt on the show and, and we had uh, John Bon Jovi as well. And it seems, you know, doo-wop was sort of in the bloodstream of, of a lot of those guys on the East Coast. I think so. You know, um, going back to Dion and the Belmonts, going back wow. to, uh, you know, um, the Elegance, Vito and the Elegance, all these uh, doo-wop bands, and, and they would sing on corners or sing in subway stations. It would be like, you know, um, you you guys singing in, in the, the tunnels, uh underneath uh, the city. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that our, our roots, you know, Stephen's got that great disciples of soul, which is just mm -hmm. fantastic. So I really do think that that's uh, Southside Johnny, Asbury Jukes. That's the same thing. It's a, uh, it's R and B based or um, I grew up loving that. And then uh, even before that, Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson, um, sure. You know, what's really great is Crystal, one of the singers who does the duet with me on um, Whenever You're Ready, her dad sang backup for Jackie Wilson. Oh, wow. So he comes to the shows and he goes, you know, he says to me, you sound like all those guys. And it's just fabulous. You know, Otis Williams from The Temps, he said, you know, your version of uh, Just so My Man. Did you mean The Temptation was that? Yeah, The Temps was, uh, you know, uh, familiarity. Yeah, um, yeah, I like that. But, I love that you're on that level of familiarity with him. But Ot Otis was, uh, you know, he said to me, your version of Just My Imagination is as good as ours. And I was like, whoa. I went, whoa, you know, let me, let me take that in and let me carry that for the, like the next month or two. Yeah, so, have that in writing. Yeah, I, I think I thought I do sounded a bit like the stylistics, you know, which are it's sort of, that sort of vibe, you know. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, both you guys have have stellar, you know, careers and roots. So, um, well, no, I mean, so, you know, so it's it's you know, growing up as kids, we were we're all the same, you know, eclectic. You know, we we loved everything from punk to prog to 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 chic and soul, and you know, I, I bought so many records on the Casablanca uh label um that's yeah that's a whole other thing but also yeah because all english kids are motown kids that's one thing you know the, the motown was an absolute part of the fabric for the, the generation before us and for us and it's because the thing you know in, in britain we we didn't have the radio stations like you know like you, yeah, didn't, like, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. could be into just one thing we just had radio one and so we just got a little bit of everything so it's it's kind of impossible to be a purist growing up in England, you know, unless you really work at it. <laughs> and it worked. You know, what's phenomenal about England is the abundance of great bands and musical talent that's come out of, you know, a country. It would be like saying here, 
wow, Rhode Island turned out 500, <laughs> you know, stellar bands. It, 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 it makes me scratch my head that there's something in the water or something in the air. Cause uh, clearly, you know, you, you, you on the, your side of the pond, you, you've just absorbed it all, you know, whether it's the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or Adele, everybody's got these, these deep roots, Dusty Springfield, come on. It yeah, doesn't yeah. get any, yeah. it doesn't get any better than Dusty. You know, Paul, I think but that's I think, a great eclectic mix. You've said right there, you know, just in that, that's brilliant. You know, that's but, but I, I think the, uh, one of the keys to the British band scene and, and, and I think probably a big influence on you in, in the early 70s is we had this constant flow of pop television. You know, we had a program, Top of the Pops. Sure. 16 million, and that's a lot in the UK, 16 million people watch that every week. Your granny knew what was at number one. So I think bands grew up, and before then it was Ready, Steady, Go, and Oh Boy. And so I think bands got the idea of the power of the visual. I will never forget the first time I saw Mark Bolan with the glitter on his cheek. I mean, it changed my life, you know, and Bowie doing Starman, obviously. And then looking at Kiss and what you guys were doing, that glam scene coming out of the UK must have been a huge influence on you. Totally. I used to take the bus to the subway and the subway down to uh, the village, Greenwich Village, every week to an international newsstand to pick up Melody Maker, Sounds, and NME. Wow. I had Top to... Man. That was like my 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 Bible, and even though some of those bands I didn't even get to see, um, although you know I got deep into the Move and um, you know, some some other uh, bands that didn't really mean anything in the states, so to speak. But um, visually, there was something about all those bands that they just got it, you know. And yeah. visually, it, it was so. Um, unifying in terms of bands looks that we, you know, I always consider us, you know, the, the bastard child of, uh, of a lot of British bands. And, and interestingly, British bands were influenced by, you know, American music. So it's, it's really a back and forth. Absolutely. And I, I think that's what makes it exciting. What's interesting, though, is that because, yeah, your thing, looking at it now, you know, with the perspective of time, is that it was absolutely a glam thing, just just like Roxy or Slade or anything like that. The difference being that you found those characters and stuck with them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when we started wearing platform boots and originally I used to get my boots, you know, uh, they would be made in, in England and sent over. My heroes, you know, after after the American bands that I loved. Um, and I'm not talking about the hate Ashbury stuff, which, you know, yeah. to me mm -hmm. was just like the antithesis of everything that I so love. You're more New York Dolls, right? You're more sort of New York Dolls and- Well, um, I would say when I'm talking about bands in America, I tend to be talking more about the Philly soul and the Motown. Oh, okay. And, yeah. you know, um, my influences in terms of going to see bands, um, I mean, Humble Pie, you know. Hey, um, my, my Humble uh, Pie album is just there, but I don't know why, Rocking the Fillmore. It's one of the well, great albums ever. And that's, you know what, that's, that's something I wanted to come to when we well, get to your first album, in fact, because it's which true. is relevant to that. Because Humble Pie broke on a live album, Peter Frampton broke on a live album, you guys broke on a live album. They were such a big thing in the 70s, weren't they? We were originally um, the template for our uh, live album in terms of packaging and everything was actually a Uriah Heep um, <laughs> live album. We, we, were, we were much more uh, known for our live shows. Our music, in, in terms of the way it was recorded, really didn't um, put across who we were. So it took the live album, which much more uh, created kind of a sonic souvenir of what the band was live, uh, to take us over the top. But, you know, I, I had seen... Humble Pie with Peter Frampton, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Slade, you know. Uh, Slade you know, weren't really a thing, were they, in America? No. They didn't really. So where did you where did you see them? Was that I some, saw some club? At the Fillmore East. You oh, know, right. I did do the Fillmore. Every, okay. every weekend, no matter who was playing, I wanted to go and, and just take this great music in because you'd get three bands on a bill and... Um, I saw the Yardbirds. Jimmy was Jimmy Page was oh, playing wow, 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 with wow. the Yardbirds when I saw them, and and uh, um, there were just 
it was such a fertile time in New York. And not coincidentally, I'd say 98% of those bands were all British bands. Jeff Beck group, maybe. I don't know. Oh, come on. You know, yeah. Rod Wood is a bass player. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. So, is so underappreciated. His bass playing is just off the charts. It's true. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because that's a big thing I have because there's, there's guitarists who play bass where you can really tell and because it's just not getting it, but you're right. Woody does actually have the thing. I butted in earlier when you were talking about American bands. And I, I think, I, I don't know whether I, you, you, you didn't get to what you were saying, but talking about Tamla groups and talking about the temptations and stylistics, they did all have something in common with you in the end, really, because they all had a uniform on stage. They understood mm -hmm. showbiz. You know, they had synchronized dancing and they had sequins or glitter or whatever it might be. They, it was, you were selling yourself visually as well as musically. Well, you just let's remember that um, Brian Epstein took the Beatles and put them in, in, suit, in mm -hmm. collarless suits, you know, and unified them. And I always found that so great about British bands and something that we used as a template was the idea that when you looked at the Stones, for example, well, nobody in the Stones would fit the Beatles or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And every band had a cohesive look to it. Um, even, I mean, Dave D. Dozy, you know, I mean, even look at that, you know, um, the top bands had a, a, uh, a synergy and that's what we wanted we wanted a group identity um and really that those, those were our templates just just tell us about growing up uh, yeah you don't mind paul you know the uh, you know meeting gene and how that all began for you you know as kids because that's such an interesting thing for most people to hear i met gene at a, a a guitar player's house that we were both playing with but separately um you know people would be in multiple bands at that point and and uh uh this guitar player one day i came over and and he introduced me to gene and and uh i didn't take to him very well but um you know he he was surprised that somebody other than lennon mccartney and gene wrote songs oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, uh we sat down and i i played he said oh you you write to play me a song so i played him a song which wound up on the first Kiss album, a song called Let Me Know. And it um, wasn't that different, you know. There, there's similarities actually to a Humble Pie song, to Big George. But um, anyway, so um, just pragmatism. I, although I didn't really connect that much with Gene, he was very talented and very bright. And um, I knew that the two of us would go farther than I would on my own. Because how, how long had you been writing? Where was that coming from? You were just sort of writing on your own into a void in the hope that... I, I started writing songs when I was um, 12 or 13. And um, I remember around 15, I went to the Brill Building and just oh, made wow. an appointment to, to play some songs for, for people, you know? You could do that? So well, you, was, you, thought, you thought you might be just a songwriter at one point in the classic Jewish tradition, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you, you did mention big growing up in an Irish neighborhood, you either had to run or, uh, or, or, or come up with some great witty line, you know? Yeah. Or you had to kick some ass, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I always, I always wanted to be in music. I always wanted to perform, you know, I, I, I remember seeing, um, in my teens, other than seeing Zeppelin, uh, which was really a religious experience. I saw them in, in the summer of 69. Uh, how big were they then? How big a place would that have been? Um, it was thousands. It was not, okay, right. uh, it, you know, it was between the first and second album. And uh, they were just astounding. I mean, the, the chemistry in that band was absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I mean, to this day, I've never heard anything like that. I mean, everybody in that band was just, mm -hmm. you know, on 10, you know, in terms of ability and, and uh, pushing each other. So um, I knew when I saw Zeppelin that, okay, that's, I can't reach that height, but don't ever forget that that's where the bar is and at least aspire to right, something right. like that. I remember seeing uh, The Who, um in 68 i believe and p 
Pete Townsend might as well, other than being a phenomenal guitar player, he was like watching Michael Jordan with a guitar. This guy, <laughs> he would jump up in the air and just seem to hover, you know, and the, you know, that's always been my passion is, is to, to be a performer and to relate to an audience and put that across. Steve Marriott was the, the yeah. perfect example of a preacher, somebody up there with a guitar. Oh yeah. Just grabbed everybody by the by the throat. So do the line, Gary. Do the line. You know you want to. Uh, we go home on Monday, but I want to tell you, it's really been a gas this time. <laughs> it's been a gas, a gas. <laughs> but, um, but Terry Reed is a guy that I feel missed yes. out a little bit yeah. there. I was watching some old footage yesterday uh, of Terry Reed uh, on on stage at the first Glastonbury. Oh my God, he was so incredible. I did see him. Hey, you know, I mean, Tinker Taylor. You know, the the, oh, right. the first album was was fabulous. Look, Frankie Miller. Come on. Oh, I saw. He was one of the first gigs I ever saw. Oh, his full house. He was amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, Frankie Miller, I mean, that's right up there back then with Rod, you know, yeah. just, mm-hmm. just yeah. um, that soul, that Sam Cooke, that Otis Redding, um, that David Ruffin. Um, it's funny, your rock obviously came from the UK. Your yeah. soul obviously comes from America. What was the moment you guys got, get it, you know, beginning and playing when, when someone walked in the room and went, We've got to just paint our faces. We've got to do something different. <laughs> was it an influence of Alice? Was Alice part of that? Not at, really, not at all. Because um, your I contemporaries were Aerosmith and the New York Dolls, right? Were, were they not? Well, or? You know, I, look, l- l- let's call it for what it is. The New York Dolls got a lot more credit, perhaps, than they deserved. You know, um, they were not a great band. No. And they didn't really sell any albums, so to speak. It's more the the myth and the legend and, you know, the look. So you wind up with the Hanoi Rocks and you wind up with a lot of bands that kind of used uh, that as a template. All the bands that we looked to were British, you know. I mean, what was I listening to? Mata Hoople. Yay. You just sound like a, a, a hip 70s English teenager. <laughs> like, well, I take that as a compliment. You it know? is. <laughs> I'm, I'm just interested in that moment when you decided yeah. to cover yourself up, really, to change your identity. There is a there is a famous Bowie show at the Roundhouse when he first went into glam. I don't know what year it was. I think it was 71 off the top of my head. And they he called all the band different characters, and they were kind of like comic book superheroes in a way. What, when was this moment that it, you, you, and who Because yours was, at first it was just like a white face thing, wasn't it? Each of us kind of went, went into our own directions. So um, the only thing that we were kind of unified in was this weird idea of making up. I mean, we didn't, we, we basically sat in front of a mirror, bought some makeup and saw where, where it took us. Um, was Gene the driving force or was it you or? There really wasn't one. Um, I have to say that it, it was very much, um, certainly Gene and I were always very, we, we knew what we wanted to do. And Gene is also an avid Anglophile and with the same roots as I have. So yeah. I don't know, we, we just, um, like I said, we saw Slade, we saw all these uh, British bands and you know, you saw Bowie with Mick Ronson and, you know, the, the, the chemistry in those bands was, mm-hmm. was palpable. It was, it was um, something we didn't have in the state. Oh, oh, Dave Hill, Super Yob, you know. Yeah. yeah. But what about you know, the fact that the live album was the, was the one that broke you? I mean, you know, your record company kept on Casablanca believing you. Let's, let's talk a bit about that, to be honest, Paul, the whole sort of scene of, Casablanca, you know, being that sort of, you know, a very New York Studio 54 sort of disco. Yeah, it's a disco label, yeah. Because when you started with them, the fact that, so I think cause this is where the Humble Pie album is from, because he produced that as well, is the fact that you had, for your first album, you had Eddie Kramer, right, producing. Well, That's well, heavy. Well, Gene and I were in a, a previous band. and Wicked Lester. Um, yeah, which is better, better forgotten, but at the same time, it gave you know, it gave uh, roots to kiss. And at that point, Gene and I were lucky enough to have wormed our way into electric lady studios. So we were there wow. uh, um, 
I just called that studio over and over and over and uh, finally got through to a producer there. And when he didn't um, uh, take my phone calls, I said to his secretary, you tell him that it's because of guys like him that bands break up. And that that got him to the phone. And um, so we did the Wicked Lester album over the course of a year, year and a half on what was called spec time. You, You sit in the lobby of the studio and according to the schedule of when people are supposed to be leaving um, the studio, then you would run in and record. So it might say someone would be out at 5 p.m. And lo and behold, they wouldn't be out till midnight. So you'd be sitting for seven hours. Oh, my God. But, like standby um, flights sort of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no meal, you know. <laughs> but uh, we would see Eddie there, Eddie Kramer. Uh, they had two studios. And... They ran 24-7. You could say, well, who's uh, who's in today? Well, Jeff Beck's in A and uh, Stevie Wonder's in B or Zeppelin is in. So, you know, for us, it was hallowed ground. And uh, we would see Eddie walking around. And we were ultimately, Gene and I were owed money um, for doing some session work. We would do background vocals on whatever needed. But see, it's great. You worked your way into doing that. You know, you oh, were, yeah, sure. So Gina and I did background vocals. And at one point we were owed money by the producer that um, had brought us into the studio. And uh, he didn't have the money to pay us. And we said, well, we want studio time. Uh, and this was with Kiss in the beginning. And we said, well, we want studio time. And we want, uh, if you can get Eddie Kramer to to do the, the demo, then we're square. So that's um, pretty cocky for a young. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no glory. Yeah. But, but do the Casablanca sort of soul. Ah, yeah. I mean, Bill, Bill O'Coin, you know, who was a figure that I, that I, you know, I mean, let's describe Bill for a bit. Cause he's such a key figure in, 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 in yeah. music, you know, he managed Billy Idol in the eighties, Generation X. Um, I met him in the early eighties. I know Guy did too. I had, yeah, I had a hashtag Me Too. But um, <laughs> yeah, skip over, over that. Hands <laughs> off. Um, but, yeah. but, but you know, and Bill was Bill, Bill was part of that sort of disco scene as well, I guess. You know, but he he also came out of a supermarket sweep, didn't he? He produced that TV. Um, yeah. you know, the disco came. You know, we're we're talking about. Um, Casablanca in 1974 and disco really didn't happen for yeah. quite a bit uh, after that. Uh, look, Bill really was the fifth member of Kiss. We never would have um, achieved what we achieved without him because he was, he was like, funny enough, he was basically our age, but he came across like a father figure and he wasn't a manager, but he, he was a visionary and um, we listened to him and he also he had a way of placating all of us to make each one of us feel that we were the most important. And he, he was the glue for quite a while. So, um, and Neil Bogart, who started Casablanca records, he had a long reign at a, a label called Buddha. And at Buddha, he had uh, just countless hit songs. So his background, I can't say was, um, albums and his background wasn't nurturing talent it was knocking out at the end of his his reign at buddha it was called bubblegum music you know it was Mm -hmm. it was uh the archies yeah so he um but again when he first signed us he wanted us to take the makeup off really Ah. yeah so uh it was uh again an interesting time but we said no you know, it's it's either the way we are or, you know, not at all. But then he, the, the whole idea of the levitating drum kit was Neil's and uh, us never being seen without makeup was Bill's. So although the core and the, the whole concept was ours, the embellishments came from them. Uh, they certainly helped out. A few people did. But Casablanca, um, quite honestly, was... Um, more intent on trying to have a hit single than than grow a band um but you know they they... did you did you buy into all of it paul was 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 did you ever get to that situation you know when you're making 
you know, those fun movies or you're becoming comic book characters and Bill saying you can't take your makeup off. Was there ever a moment when you went, but I really just, I want to be, you know, I move on from this. I, I want to be me. <laughs> <laughs> or, did, or, was it, or was it just kids having amazing fun? I mean, there's that fantastic chat show that you're on where, where I think, you know, Ace is a little Ace. bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Tom Snyder, Tom Snyder yes. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, you're being very cool. It must be said. You're being very. <laughs> oh, I was. I was just. You know, Keep wasn't having it, right? No. Yeah, I, I was doing my best to not panic. You know? <laughs> but um, look, you know, the the there was this dichotomy. You know, we existed as um, this massive band and this phenomenon, and yet. You know, uh, on the street, I mean, to say that nobody knew who I was would be an exaggeration. Yeah, we was gonna, we were gonna, I was going to ask about that. I wondered if it's kind of like the, you know, do, do people really not know who you are? It's like the Clark Kent just parts his hair the other side, puts puts his glasses on, and no one knows that's Superman? <laughs> well, um, when you see somebody six feet plus with flat, you know, with the flamboyant clothes and platform boots and blue-black hair down to here... You kind of go, well, either that's a member of KISS or the circus is in town. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, but it, it was weird. You know, there, there was, there certainly was a yearning for acknowledgement. Hey, it's me. It's me. Mm -mm. Um, but look, when you win the lottery, you don't complain about taxes. You know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. If you, you know, we were very, very fortunate. And although, you know, there were certain things that, um, were might have been frustrating on on the whole you know we were we were in disneyland you know i mean we, we had some missteps but here we are what 50 almost 50 years later i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15 percent off your burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25 percent off outdoor that's up to 25 percent off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast Peter. It seemed that that even though like most bands, you know, like Queen even, you know, who had a kind of their arc had happened in this sort of mid to late 70s. And then there was a falling off. You know, Queen came back with Live Aid, obviously. The, 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 the gift to you guys was MTV. Well, interesting. MTV didn't want anything to do with us at first. They really, no. when we were wearing the makeup, they, they, basically uh ignored us had nothing to do with us um wasn't until we took the makeup off surprisingly that they jumped on board so um initially what did you have you had uh, duran duran you had spandau ballet you had you know um culture club abc you know wham it was hey look again again it turns out where were the bands from they were from mm -hmm. your side of the pond. So but definitely the eighties, there was a rebirth for you guys. In the, yes. And it, not coincidentally, it had to do with taking the makeup off. Um, we really reached a point where the band, people were just tired of seeing us. They, you know, at, I do believe that people also listen with their eyes and when what they're seeing doesn't agree with them or they don't like it, they're not going to like what they're hearing. And we put out the last album. Um, well, the next to the, yeah, the last album with makeup was Creatures of the Night, which was a great album. And yet it was pretty much ignored. And I had wanted to take the makeup off at that point. I figured, look, if we're not good enough to continue without the makeup, then we shouldn't continue. So 
uh, we finally took it up on, uh, off on the next album. And lo and behold, the album sold four or five times what Creatures of the Night sold because people just didn't, they, they were tired of that look. And we had brought in new members with new makeup. And that was a mistake. We, we had built these four iconic characters and suddenly, you know, we're, we're five steps away from having Turtle Boy in the band. I mean, it's, it just reached <laughs> a, you know. I would have been Turtle Boy. I would have done that. <laughs> I've, got, I've got it all ready to go. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Caterpillar Man. <laughs> <laughs> but what is funny is that, and, and how did that feel to, to you when you, you know, because you, as you said, things started to work. It's like turning up in a nudist colony, wasn't it? You felt totally naked. Yeah, well, you know, the, the goods were still covered, but um, th that's what the guitar is for. But um, <laughs> no, you know, it, it felt very freeing for me. Um, I never felt that um, the makeup certainly um, exaggerated and amplified a part of who I am. But what I was doing, it came from here. Yeah, so, it didn't really change. I mean, what I did on stage didn't change. Um, I know it was tougher for Gene, but um, I just thought it lifted a weight off our shoulders and um, allowed us to not only survive, but to thrive until we decided, okay, um, let's, let's do it again. Yeah, because yeah. obviously there's a, you must have been nervous because there's a bunch of your audience that are really probably like, comic-con guys you know that that want to go and dress up like the characters and and like and doctor who or, or star wars or whatever it might be and you might be letting them down suddenly they're they're alone out there in the crowd yeah but you know ultimately you can't let yourself down because you're you're a very expressive soulful songwriter okay and you're stuffed in, and 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 i know this isn't your song but i always find it interesting because most of the kiss stuff on the earlier albums it makes sense to have these painted up characters because most of the songs are about a character it's about a guy or a girl, whatever. And the audience can project themselves onto that character and be whoever they want. But then you get, then your biggest hit, then you get something like Beth, which is a genuinely heartfelt song, clearly written by someone for his missus, being sung by someone uh, painted as a cat. Hmm. <laughs> um, well, Bob Ezrin, hats off to ah, him. Bob, yeah. You know, Beth wouldn't have happened. Bob really took a germ of an idea and turned it into something much, much more than that. So, um, you know, interestingly, back to uh, Soul Station for a moment, when people are surprised, and I understand it when people hear me sing a certain way and they go, really? You know, funny thing, I'm, I'm digressing, but um, I was uh, um, having coffee one day with Rod Stewart, who lives near me, and I, I, I was talking about, yeah, you know, my 15-piece R&B band. He goes, you have an R&B band? And I go, yeah. He goes, who sings? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I Yeah, but not the bitch like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he, he knew, he knew. <laughs> but he goes, um, you can handle that music? You know, you can handle those songs? I said, okay. So I played him some of Soul Station. He was, you know, just blown away. Anyway, what I was getting to... Um, uh, in that same realm is um, Roots. I was made for loving you. Baby. Yeah, absolutely. Baby, the shadows of love. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. It's, again, it's four tops. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. Great song. Yeah. And, and that, who co-wrote that with you? It was... Um, Desmond. It was a Desmond Child. Desmond, who, who went on and, and wrote with John Bon Jovi in the 80s and did their big yeah, hit. I, I connected him with, with John. Oh, wow. Oh. And, yeah, Desmond's amazing. I mean, the yeah. guy lives and breathes. You know, he's, he really, you know, it's not a coincidence what he did with uh, Bon Jovi or what he did with Aerosmith or... Um, you know, Joan Jett, the list just goes yeah. on yeah. and oh, on. But now. sorry, if I can just interrupt with, uh, back to this songwriter thing. So what yeah. happened about your your audition at the Brill Building? Did, Did you, you know, do it? Somebody could have been a real dick, but um, this guy listened to me, and I was 15 years old, and he was very, very nice and very supportive and said, you know, um, I think you should you should stay with it and keep working at it. Oh. And, um, you know, 
I wasn't disappointed. Maybe I was relieved because I, I kind of stepped into the deep end of the pool. But, um, you know, it was nice to get some acknowledgement. And I just went and kept writing. And uh, oh, that's, that's exactly what you needed, in fact. Yeah, you know, no. just somebody in a position of uh, being able to listen to it and saying, okay, yeah. Um, but well, I, you know, again, damn, I was- Obviously what I wanted you to say was, so I went there and Carol King and Carol Bayer-Sager and Neil Diamond all said yeah, to me, kid. And they, <laughs> and they all came out and sang, yeah. sang back up. <laughs> Uh, Paul, you know, you you you've gone back into the clothes. You've got your, the the band are, are, are fully formed how they used to be. You're doing mm-hmm. unbelievably mega shows. I mean, you just did Dubai, didn't you? Uh, yeah. In lockdown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, I mean, it's already in the Guinness Book of Records, I think. Yeah, something. I don't know why. We also, and we actually play well. You know, it's, it's <laughs> it sounds amazing, um, and I think it's it's extraordinary. There can't be many bands that are big and bigger now than in their heyday mm-hmm. you know in the same i mean i only think of queen in that in that in that have kind of gone into that realm but it's if people want to see you now because they you made a great quote and this is the one i wanted to bring up oh yes i think I know where, this one. Where, where you said you know we we didn't have to be as good as we were we had to be as good as people thought we were yeah well you know it's really Damn, when, when we put the band the original guys back together who are now gone again um probably, well, they're, they're gone at this point, um, probably 20 years or some, something crazy. But um, when, we, when we got them back, we had to um, get everybody in, in tip-top shape, you know, and uh, we had to put together the show that people remembered, not the show that existed, mm-hmm. you know. For 1977, it was a massive show, for today, it was nothing. So we mm-hmm. had to create the show that they imagined. And um, in the same way, we had to look like they remembered. Um, you know, time had passed and um, nobody wanted to see a bunch of fat guys in tights. You know, it's just... Uh, no, that's Shakespeare. Uh, but I suppose that is the other great thing about what you do, about the makeup thing, is because, you know, you you look the same. You don't look like you've aged, you know. It's... Uh, believe me it looks good my bones tell me different you know but, but i feel like it's such an american institution what you have now it's mm-hmm. a bit like you know that the empire state isn't the biggest building anymore but when i go to new york i want to see the empire state exactly uh, yeah i yeah. i think that, well you know not not to take it uh too too seriously but you know i've always said bands make music and phenomenons impact society let's let's <laughs> let, let's just finish on your on your what I think is a is a, a brilliant album, and it's definitely a party album. Yeah. It's one you want to put on when people are around, right? Um, just how you put that band together in the first place, and how much, how, and also how much balls it took to suddenly say to your crowd, your followers, after decades, this is also who I am. I think that the most important thing you can do uh, is to free yourself of, uh, you know, be proud of who you are. And also, no secrets. I mean, not that that's anything that needs to be a secret, but um, um, I'm, I, as far as I know, I only get one shot at this life. And I don't want to live within the boundaries anybody else sets. Um, I don't want to, at the end of the day, go, gee, I wish I had, or I could have, or I should have. Um, I did Soul Station. I formed it selfishly because I wanted to hear that music. And to be in the middle of it, man, you know, to to be doing um, um, "Get Ready" or doing "La La Means I Love You" by by um, the Delphonics, Delphonics, you know, or <clears throat> or anything else. Well, on your own ones, that's the amazing thing. Yeah. That's what's so incredible, which slip in there so seamlessly. Yeah. So, um, how did the band get together? I wanted to do a. I actually wanted to do a uh, a charity gig for my children's school. And um, one year I put together a band. Um, Dave Grohl was at the school at the same time. So um, not as a child, as a, as a parent, (laughs) as a parent, parent. we're still teaching drums. We're still children. (laughs) Um, But um, so one year I put together this great band and, and uh, you know, there would be these uh, evening um, fundraisers for the, the parents and um, 
one year I put together this great band and we did all this uh, Bad Company and Zeppelin and Derek and the Dominoes. And then the next year I went, you know, I don't want to do that again. I want, I want to, um, I want to do Motown in Philly. That's something I've always wanted to do. And um, I started there and uh, made a couple of calls and a few of the people I knew from playing with Sean Hurley, a bass player who's absolutely, you know, he's, you know, don't say he's the best because Guy Pratt's here, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well you know, the roots are all, you know, I mean, you know, Sean's roots are Jamerson and yeah. Duck Dunn yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and, and all, all the, the people who uh, have influenced so many, I'm sure you included. So, yeah, no, um, Jameson wrote the book. He invented oh, it. Yeah, ridiculous. You know, I mean, listen to "I Was Made to Love Her." You know, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, just crazy. Bob Babbitt. You know, all these great bass players. Anyway, yeah, um, sorry. Made some phone calls and uh, called some people who I knew, and then started calling people I didn't know. And surprisingly, when I said, "Yeah, you know, I want to, I want to do a Motown and Philly Soul," everybody goes, "I'm in." So help me, the band got together, and there's some videos uh, of us playing the Roxy in L.A. Oh, wow. um, from 2016, I think. The band had been together two weeks. Well, I'll have to look that up. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just been amazing. It's just been uh, people who play with Smokey and Stevie and everybody else who just go this is all I want to do. I just want to, you know, I want to do. And we got to keep that music alive. That brand of music needs to be kept yeah. alive, doesn't it? I think so. I, you know, to have it relegated to being um, samples in rap tunes, that's okay. People should hear the whole song. And um, I'd like to think um, Soul Station is kind of like those songs are the roots, but all the new stuff that we're doing and we've written is kind of what came from those roots. And it's not very, you know, it's not far off. It's it's from the same tree. No, no, it absolutely is. Like, you know, exactly as we were saying, I was just trying to think, why don't I know this song? I know, must know. <laughs> so is Gene ringing up going, look, when are you going to finish with that band? Let's get out on the road again. I mean, but you've got this dichotomy now, haven't you? You've got, you've got the, to finish the Kiss final. Yes, the final. end of the road tour. Well, let's see. Let me, um, there is... This is from two days ago. A text, right? This is this is a text from two days ago. And um, this is from Gene, two days ago. You should be really proud. Soul Station Project is very impressive. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's lovely, yeah. So, well, that's nice. Yeah. That must be nice from your old mucker. Totally. You know, he's like, uh, you know, we're family. We go back to, you know, living in our parents' homes. So, mm. um, but those are his roots, too. I think he was pleasantly surprised how good it is. You know, I think it's not a tribute album in the sense that, you know, sometimes tribute albums become vanity projects and not much more. To me, this was a passion project. This is just something that's as much a part of me as anything else. And, and uh, um, the, the quality of it is because it's heartfelt and uh, you know, you, you, you can't, imitate that you know this isn't a karaoke record it's reverently done and yet it still has its own identity yeah but it has that key thing which is the word effortless you know it sounds effortless that's always when you know something's the real deal and, and are you going on the road with the with the with the album or are you, is, they ask, is, it, is there a commitment to kiss um well uh, you know uh, kiss hits the road mid-august and um, um in the u.s in the u.s and and uh will we'll be in, on your side um, come summer of 22. Um, we'll, we'll finally, after cancel two years in a row, we'll, we'll headline well, it. Well, listen, you know, if you yeah, have join, a join the club, yeah. I've, we've... I've got my Mr. Caterpillar suit and it's ready. Right? <laughs> yeah, you, you'll, you'll be hitting the stage singing back. <laughs> Oh, actually, there's one thing I want to say, Paul, which I don't think know if there's enough credit for, is that always, especially on those those first few albums, is your twin the twin the arrangement of the two guitars between you and Ace is brilliant. How you well, always had fantastic interweaving parts. I always I was just talking a few nights ago. I always wanted Kiss to be 
one big guitar, you know, <laughs> as opposed to people noodling. I wanted two inversions of, of chords that would mesh, not unlike, you know, some of what Humble Pie was doing. Or, or maybe Blue Oyster Cult as well. Yeah, you know, just the idea of two guitars making one big guitar. Mm. So, well, thank you. Thank you again. <laughs> Matt Paul, it's been such a pleasure. Really? Seriously, what, what, a, what a beautiful voice. Your voice is getting better and better, and I wish you so much luck with this album. Well, you know, you, your career is, is, uh, has been very impressive, from music to acting, you know, kudos to you. Uh, both of you, you know, that guy, you know, to have you doing uh, so many diverse, diverse oh, uh, projects, you know. So, thank you uh, very much. Thank you. Well, that's, that's, that means a lot. Well, what's nicest about this, Paul, is that you sound like, with all your influences and your roots, is you sound like just one of us, you know. Well, a Brit, you mean, a Brit. He does sound a bit like a Brit, doesn't he? <laughs> I take that as a, as a high compliment. All right. God bless her. Brilliant. Well, that was really good, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That oh. was really, really nice. Like I said, I was actually quite, I said, just because of the whole history of Kiss and, you know, and because Gene always comes over as quite fearsome, was that we, we knew he was a lovely guy, but it was, but I, I love that, that he comes from such a similar place, you know, musically. Yeah, I mean, I found he's a soul man, really, isn't he? I mean, that's what's extraordinary. His roots, even that thing about the early Kiss dressing up, you know, it was the same as the Temptations or all of those uh, bands. But the funny thing is, because that's actually, you had that first generation of English guys who all come from the blues. But then there's all those, a lot of those 70s rock bands were people who started at like Coverdale and that, you know, we're all people who were into soul, who sang soul music. So it's kind of, so it's basically coming from the same place as sort of English rock bands came from. And Dave Hill got a mention. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no prog, but we did get the Super Yog guitar in. Although That's they got... did do a prog album, didn't they, Kiss? They, they did, did do a prog, but they don't really like to talk about it, I think. There's something music from the story. The Elder, it moved from The Elder, Elder. it was meant to be fun, it never came out, yeah. But listen, I really enjoyed that. Uh, if you haven't heard the album, you should you should have a listen to it because it, it really is a, a brilliant... I'm not you, Guy. I'm talking to our general listener. Obviously, I've listened to it, yes. I'm talking to our listener. <laughs> You're talking to the audience. <laughs> anyway, if if, uh, if you like that, then we thank you. And please uh, subscribe and, and download. Leave comments. Uh, we're enjoying this. We, are, we want to carry on. And we, we love your support. Thank you. Indeed we do. So uh, it's good night from me. And it's it's good night from Mr. Caterpillar. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.